Hi, my name is Lloyd Sarbutz, and this podcast is brought to you by Liberia, a bookshop by Second Home. In this episode, we are listening to Marie Dariusek and Brian Dillon discuss Marie's recent publication, Sleepless, which was recorded in October 2023, live in the bookshop. Plagued by insomnia for 20 years, Marie Dariusek recounts her own experiences alongside those of fellow insomniacs, mostly fellow writers like Ovid, Marcel Proust, Virginia Woolf, Marguerite Duras, Franz Kafka and Georges Perec. With inimitable humour, she describes her dealings with a somnologist and her attempts to find a remedy. Ranging between autobiography, clinical observation and criticism, Sleepless is a graceful, inventive meditation by one of the leading voices in contemporary French literature. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much, um, and thanks uh, for having us, um, and thanks everybody for, for being here. Marie, you, you were the first person that I ever interviewed in my professional life, I think in 2002, which is when the translation um, in English, Breathing Underwater, uh, came out, and I interviewed you for, uh, for Time Out magazine. But the first book I had read uh, was My Phantom Husband, um, uh, which I think came out in English in 99. And between those two books, I had a real sense. um, The thing that struck me most, I think, was the way that you wrote about bodies and the way that you wrote about physical experiences that somehow also translated or transformed into spiritual or metaphysical experiences. And the difference between what was physical, what was bodily, and what was abstract was, was never really clear. There are moments in both of those books where you write about sleep. In My Phantom Husband, which concerns a, a, a narrative from the point of view of a woman whose husband has, has disappeared, she sleep, She doesn't sleep, of course she doesn't sleep, because her husband has disappeared, but she is surrounded by shadows as she tries to sleep, and the descriptions of those shadows are, are extraordinary. There's a description slightly later where she, she lies down attempting to sleep during the day, and her body has this kind of weight about it, um, which is one of the experiences that will be familiar to all insomniacs, that sense of the, the weight of the body. But somehow at the same time, everything kind of coming apart, dispersing. And it seems to me like this returns time and again in, in Sleepless, um, this combination of uh, physicality, uh, the brute physical experience of, of sleeplessness, and something that is flying off abstractly and metaphorically in, in all kinds of different directions. So I hope we can explore some of those directions. But would you like to read something to begin with? Yes, I, I have never read that part in English, so um, I hope I'll manage. It's um, in like the first third of the book. It's called, it's a short chapter called Loopings. And I remember very vividly writing this at 4 a.m. Uh, in a very blurred state, very hazy, very, and feeling I was in a sort of maze. And to speak frankly, um, when I finished the book in a, in sort of state of disorder, uh, I thought I was going to cut that part because it make it made no sense. And my publisher, that's why publisher are f- there for, P.O.L. in France, uh, uh, he told me, no, 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 keep it, it's, keep it, keep it. 
And I realized it was some sort of a nuclear core of the book, something that was uh, um, irradiating through the book. But I, when I wrote it, 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 it was really like a looping. Sleeping means trusting the night, believing in a reunion after the commotion of dreams. Insomnia is believing that because I am not sleeping, I will never sleep. Insomnia feeds itself on the fear of not sleeping, the conviction of exhausted exhaustion. The nightmare of the day ahead casts a shadow over the night that will end only in the nightmare of the day ahead. All this looping the loop, yes, all this figure eight roller coasting pitches you downhill to the point of vertigo of senses can't say that senselessness. Sleepless nights take on the shape of a Mobius strip. The single-sided, single-edged surface continues unendingly, looping back on itself. I dream that I dream that my sleeplessness has been destroyed since Barbara, the famous French singer, in 1975. I think that I think that I think that I think... Here, 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 a screw rams into my forehead. Right now, 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 a sow slices me into bits of the present. We are held to being, held to be, wrote Levinas. Vigilance is absolutely empty of all object. Vigilance is as anonymous as the night itself, end of quotation by Levinas. No opening where I can escape from myself. I am I, and I would so like to be someone else, someone who sleeps. Relieve me of my consciousness, the appalling consciousness of sleeplessness. Insomnia is one of the spiraled forms of anxiety. In the bottom left room, the walls pulsate. The move away, they move away and they come closer. They shed their molecules in a shower. A black cloud fills the black air. I breathe in the atoms of the walls. I become those atoms. As the night is pulverized, it grinds me up. I am netted into the material from which black holes are made. I dissolve in the antimatter of the underside of the world. I skip, I quote Peter Henke, I quote Conrad. Insomnia. The water is no longer the horizon. The deck is no longer the ground. Interminable backwashing. Morning will never come again. Walking on doors, standing on the ceiling. Your foot on someone else's chest. Time flies off the handle and disaster flows in through shocking holes in the hull. The insomniac is not so much in dialogue with sleep as with the apocalypse. Thank you. I mean, th there, there are so many things that I would, I think all my questions will touch on. Uh, in but in you were in right. That, I actually, passage. I didn't remember that in my Phantom Husband, which is my second novel, the character didn't sleep. Uh, it, it, and it's uh, exactly almost the same <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. It's easy f to forget your own stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> you, um, go, you repeat and repeat and repeat again. Yeah. And maybe and in a way that my first kind of question has, has to do with repetition and, and mm. the sense in, in that passage of, of the spiraling of the, uh, uh, of the strip, of, the, of the, the recursiveness of that is really striking. Um, and we'll return to the various reference points, quotation, um, at the place of quotation in, uh, sure. in this book, and, sure. and so on. 
But I wondered if it's possible, you know, at, at the same time as this sense of something endless and spiraling, there is a sense in the book that your insomnia has an origin or has a point rather it, it has a starting point and it i wonder if just point. just to to get us started if you can kind of sketch a little bit okay. that that origin okay um and and part of that is uh is is that the same as the kind of origin of an impulse to write about it or when, what what's the chronology of okay um first i would like to say something about repetition because it's it's one of my major topics uh, repetition I, and i was a psychoanalyst too and repetition is part of the process but you never repeat exactly the same thing and it's a spiraling okay a psychoanalysis but um repetition i <laughs> the part i read is very it's full of drama it's full of uh, but as a writer, I'm lucky enough. If I don't sleep, it's not that bad. I mean, I'm not driving a bus, uh, a school bus in the morning. I'm not driving a truck. I'm not having. I, I don't have to teach young kids at eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, to make a long story short, I, 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 my insomnia will not kill anybody. You see what I mean? I, it's not. It's only dangerous for myself, which I, I can deal with. I'm not going to to have an accident or, or you know. Because insomnia is very, is very, very, is a big health problem. Anyway, I hope the book is also funny because I, I, I'm so privileged in my insomnia that I can have fun with it in a way. And what I felt, uh, the more and more I became insomniac, and I will answer the question, is that I was a sort of Buster Keaton of sleep. Each time I tried to sleep, it failed. Each time I tried to stay asleep, I woke up and... Je ratais, je ratais encore, comme disait Beckett. Mais uh, it, it was this, uh, a comedy re of repetition, my sleep. And I, I truly, sometimes when I woke up at 4 a.m. again, I felt desperate, but also I laughed aloud. It was so ridiculous. Again, I mean, I have everything to be a good sleeper. I, 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 you know, uh, we'll talk later about people who have good reasons not to sleep. <laughs> but <laughs> so, so I also wrote the book because uh, because it was a comedy of repetition. Yes, and uh, and I tried everything to sleep, and and, and everything failed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's a, a chapter about that. I lost my sleep. Like um, I, there's this wonderful book by. Um, Murakami. I, I much prefer the Murakami of the beginning than after Kafka on the beach. I, I, I lost him a bit, but uh, I think it's the third book, The End of the World. Uh, when you when you enter that zone full of unicorns and uh, you have to let a sort of butcher cut your shadow from your feet, and the shadows are put in a reserve, and they're mourn there reflect us and the shadows are there mourning and, and wailing and crying left alone there it's a wonderful image it's very powerful and i had this impression that i had lost my sleep this way somebody had cut my sleep at my feet okay or on a lighter note like a cat uh, I lost my feet because I had a baby. And uh, people who have cats and babies knows that cats are very upset when a baby shows up. And sometimes the cat leaves the house. And I, I, th I thought I lost my sleep out there in the woods, like a cat, a jealous cat. 
I lost my sleep when my first baby was born. And um, it's normal not to sleep when you have a newborn. Babies don't sleep. You have to know that. If people here don't have babies, they never sleep, okay? <laughs> There's this proverb in France, dormir comme un bébé. It's the, it's the most monstrous lie I've ever heard with girls just want to have fun. It's the other big lie. But babies don't sleep, okay? But so it's normal to lose your sleep with a newborn. But my sleep never came back. And then I had a second baby and a third baby on, on 10 years. But if they are tw in their 20s now, and I still don't sleep. So um, I was diagnosed after a long wandering in errance in the maze of, uh, of doctors who do not know how to cure insomnia, really. They give you herbal tea, and you want to kill them. I mean, it's, uh, it's horrible. And so uh, in the end, I finally found a specialist, a, a psychiatrist, uh, calling herself a somnologue. She, she was not that bad. But uh, she had, um, so I took an appointment in a public hospital. The waiting list was two years, which means a lot about the public health problem that is insomnia. So I finally went into the private system and I got a technician who came to, to stick electrodes everywhere on my skull, on my neck, on my chest, on my arms and my ankles. There's a photo of me. There, there are two photos of me covered with electrodes, with a net, you know, on my, on my, on my poor hair. And uh, it's very small, but the book is full of small pictures. So here I am with my electrodes on my head. And my French publisher Instagrammed the photo. <laughs> and it had a huge success, I must say. But anyway, and so the technician told me, now you go to sleep, which is really funny because <laughs> you can't sleep with that. But my psychiatrist, she was a wise woman. She wanted to have a screenshot, a capture of, of uh, the way I sleep. And she told me, you do, you follow your routine. Y I don't change anything. I want the exam to show what's happening to your sleep right now. And at that period of time in my life, and don't do that, I used to sleep after at least four glasses of good red organic Bordeaux. If it's organic, they can't harm you. And one or two sleeping pills. Don't do that, okay? But it was the only way I could fall asleep. And so I did it. And uh, she could manage to catch five hours of bad sleep, which showed that I never slept uh, deeply. I was always on the edge of falling asleep. It's horrible. It's a horrible condition. Because you, you are falling asleep all the time, and you never really fall asleep. I had this impression, but nobody really believed me. But it shows. And it's quite frequent. It's not banal, it's frequent. It's very interesting difference. It's called hypervigilance, hypervigilance. It's uh, frequent with parents because they stay awake. But I stayed awake forever because if I sleep, something terrible is going to happen to my kids. It's a sort of magical thinking. Or even worse, something terrible is going to happen in general. It's a form of megalomania also. Because of course when I sleep, <laughs> when I wake up, the world is same, the same shit as ever and, uh, and my kids are okay, more or less. So, no, so that's why I lost my sleep, because I had babies. But it's totally irrational. It's, it's, it's not, you know, it's the cause, but it's not the reason. Mm. And it has some of the same 
structure some, some of the same logic or illogic as anxi- general anxiety, yes. um, hypochondria, and, oh, yeah, and so yeah, on. Oh, yeah, it's paradoxical. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a form of madness. Yeah, but it's very common. Um, I wonder if you can, th- you said that there's a chapter um, in which you say, I tried everything. Yeah. Can you describe everything <laughs> <laughs> briefly? Okay. So, of course, I tried psychoanalysis. And uh, uh, psychoanalysis saved my life, really. And um, But it didn't make me sleep at all. It didn't solve the problem. Um, I tried meditation, yoga nidra, um, the safe space, you know, thinking about a safe. At 4 a.m. when I wake up, meditation, I just, I could, I could punch the wall. I, d- I mean, I, 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 I'm, 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 I can meditate in the day. I can meditate, I don't know, in, in the subway or um, in a crowd to keep less anxious. Or, But I can't meditate at night. And also, my... I can't relax my body. I'm a very agitated person, but I can relax my body. A relaxed woman is not a woman who is going to sleep. It has nothing to see. It has not relaxation and sleep are two different things, really. So all the people who with goodwill told me to relax, to calm down, to do yoga, they don't get the point. I, I'm perfectly relaxed when I want to be but I don't sleep I tried all the gadgets all the apps all of them the apps that tell you to concentrate on your toe and to breathe this way and to calm your heart you know breathing I have the names in French but not in English but you know all those apps if you are an insomniac I tried the gravity blanket <laughs> the gravity blanket crushes you, so it's you order it online. It was before COVID. I had it shipped from China, I suppose, and it was made so I, the exact size of my body and the third thirty percent of my weight, and so it's full of lead small beds beads, and it crushes you. And yes, uh, you cannot move, and it's kind of relaxing. And actually, I fell asleep because it's very cozy. And it fell down with a big boom because I, I had not anchored the, the, the gravity blanket well enough. So it woke me up. The next night, my knee was stuck in a bad position. So I, I it woke me. So it's uh, all the gadgets woke me. Uh, there are pages about these silly, stupid things I tried. It, uh, acupuncture. Acupuncture does work. It's amazing. There was this genius acupuncture in Paris. He just he told me, what kind of insomnia do you have? Can't you get asleep or do you wake up at night? I, I said, I have both. He said, okay, that's the ankle. He put some stings in my ankle. I was on this, uh, it was freezing. I was just in my underwear and uh, on this, in this unknown, you know, uh, apartment on a very hard table. He, he put, I fell asleep in the middle of the day. Wow. The problem is that he should have come to my house every night. <laughs> To put that stuff in my ankle because uh, it didn't change anything. Uh, I just fell asleep, but it didn't change anything in my life. So I did try hypnosis, and <laughs> really, I'm. Uh, uh, it sounds a bit demagogic in a bookshop. The best thing I found was to read books, paper books. But really, really, it's the best thing I can do. That's interesting because I, I I thought there was a moment in the book where you say that reading didn't work or maybe it w- didn't work at, at okay, a certain it, point. It works on my boredom because it's very boring to be awake at night. 
you just want to sleep. Because I forbid me to go on Instagram or I forbid me to watch a, a screen in general. I, okay, I will not. My psychiatrist told me, when you wake up, get up. And I tried to start my day at 4 a.m. It's exhausting. It's, it's absolutely exhausting. You, you, uh, and I fell from fatigue at 11 a.m. Sometimes I went to sleep and I, <laughs> I didn't wake up for, for the end of school, you know. So, <laughs> so I was having two nights, in fact, two short nights of four hours, biphasic sleep, it's called. It's quite common to people in the Middle Ages lived this way, but I don't want to live in the Middle Ages. <laughs> it was it apparently, or so his historians of, of sleep it, it's argue, it existed in the winter time. Yeah, pretty much until the advent of of mass um, public illumination. Absolutely, yeah. and uh, also uh, it's normal in long northern nights. Uh, you get very cold around four a.m. because the fire has dead. So you have to wake up to a, f a little fire again and to eat to keep warm. So they truly had two two nights in winter time. But come on, we have electricity. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to live this way. <laughs> um, accounts of it in the Middle Ages and the early modern period, pe people would, they'd wake up, they'd do obvious things, having woken up, they'd have sex, yeah, they'd, they'd eat, etc. Et yeah. um, but they'd also go and t speak to their neighbours. It be became occasionally a kind of like social thing. Um, so y your the book describes um, this experience. It describes it in this extraordinary, extraordinarily physical and intimate way. You describe, as you've said, in this uh, uh, mostly in this in this one particular chapter, the various potential cures, um, in including various devices, the Morphe, the Morphe box machine <laughs> or box. Um, but s other things are happening in the uh, in this book, and one of them is it's already, I think, been kind of obvious in the way that you're speaking about it. It is to do with metaphor, mm -hmm. and I think you you explicitly say this at, at various points. You know that in a way. Uh, insomnia produces metaphors. Yes. The spiral, um, the a kind of atomizing yes. dispersal mm. uh, of the self or or of the body. Um, you describe it as as entering a kind of uh, antimatter mm -hmm. condition. Is it in relation to light and darkness? Of course. Yeah. It's a ravine. It's a tomb. It's a it's grave. A it's something. It's a couple also with a bed. The insomniac has a sort of love affair with his or her bed. Uh, hate and love affair with a bed, uh, and uh, and um, in the book I talk, or, or I write about Georges Perec also, who was a, a lover of his bed. He would have life, loved to spend his life in his bed, like Proust did in his seven last years. So it also has, of course, a relationship with literature. But I needed all those pages to try to. Explore it, yeah, and the relationship with Kafka. In fact, I discovered that um, it's not that writers are insomniacs. Some very good writers are, the, are very good sleepers. It's that my favorite writers are insomniacs. And I discovered that standing in front of my bookshelves at 4 a.m. You know, this wonderful feeling that when you are obsessed with something or suffering with something or, or in love with something or somebody, you take a book at random, and the book is precisely about what's obsessing you, eh? In consciousness, you're talking about that in, in, in some of your books, eh? And um, it's not here. It it could happen because he has this technique uh, of uh, it's not a normal 
workshop. It could not happen at Waterstone because it would not talk to your unconsciousness. But I your own bookshelves are a self-portrait, of course, of you. Because you bought these books or they were offered to you by somebody who knows you, etc. So they are a mirror of your soul or your spirit or your body, perhaps. So, of course, at 4 a.m., I would always open Kafka or Marguerite Duras or Perec or uh, Levinas that I love or others, Virginia Woolf, of course. And I discovered, like, you know, wow, that they are all insomniacs. So it's, it's this way it goes. It's, uh, the writers... I think are the best are insomniacs, but first it's my opinion, and second, you do not need to be an insomniac to be creative. It's not that simple. Leonard Cohen put it right. You know, he said, "The only uh, rescue of the insomniac, uh, the only solace uh, of the insomniac in the middle of the night, is to think he's superior or she's superior to the others. This is the only thing we have, the last thing we have, the hope that it means a sort of election, you know. But no, no, you're just silly with fatigue. You're <laughs> so <laughs> writers or artists or, or philosophers or creative people are not necessarily insomniacs, and yet... There is a sense, isn't there, kind of culturally, per perhaps it's disappearing, but there has been a sense in, in culture and in, and in the kinds of writing you're describing that, that insomnia has a relationship to thought and has a relationship with a kind of profundity, melancholy too, but perhaps also mania. And so when you think about you, various writers, you, you talk about Proust and you talk about Kafka and you refer to, I always, I never know how to pronounce his surname, E.M. Chiron? Chiron, we Chiron, say you French. Say? He was Whereas, from Romania. Yeah, so I never Chiron, know whether yeah. R Romanian or French yeah, uh, pronunciation. Say, yeah. How do you say here? I have always said Chiron and then think that I'm wrong. Anyway, <laughs> here we are. Emile Chiron, <laughs> who I think is the, per the writer that you refer to as the patron saint. No, no, um, it's Proust. No. Oh, Proust is the patron oh, saint. Oh, yeah, and Kafka and is, the, is the other and name Chiron of God. is the proprietor. <laughs> Chiron is the proprietor because yeah. I don't like him very much. No, he, he was not a very nice person, but he truly knew what he was talking about, uh, about insomnia, yeah. He was a fascist, not nice person. He was person. a fascist, <laughs> but absolutely. But he was and also a sexist person, re reputed yeah. not to have slept for something like 30 or f 40 yeah. years. So with, with a figure like him, <laughs> insomnia takes on the, this, a kind of pretension. Yes, um, it's true. A, a pretension mm -hmm. to profundity. Mm -hmm. um, I never experienced insomnia until I was about 21, and a, a close friend of mine with whom I was probably slightly in love told me that she never slept. And I immediately thought that this was something to aspire to, and I think I went home and didn't <laughs> sleep immediately. <laughs> and th there is something... It was very chic. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> there, is, there is an element of... Um, insomnia as a state, you know, that the 4 a.m. mind mm. is, it may be anxious, it may be suffering, but it also has a kind of profundity and insight. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what there is to say ab about that when, when the experience is also this experience of absolute suffering and yeah. absurdity and, mm -hmm. and so on. Um, I like the, I, you know, the horror movie Amityville? Amityville, how do you say Amityville? Like Sioran? <laughs> Amityville. <laughs> the devil strikes. The devil gets out of the basement at 3.33. 3 3.33. 3 
And I, I'm used to get up at 4.44. It's, even, it's almost a joke when I, s- when I get, uh, it's 4.44. The Germans, they call these hours the schnapps hours because you don't even see double, you see triple, you know? 333, 4.44, 5.55. 5.55, my psychiatrist tell me, come on, get up, you know? Okay, oh come on. <laughs> well, so I don't have anything really profound to say about the profondeur de l'insomnie. What I'm very interested in is the um, zone, the metaphor. Yes, uh, you're right. It's always metaphorical because it's very difficult to address insomnia directly because it's not logical, it's not rational, and you can't make a three-parts plan. My book doesn't have a plan, to speak bluntly. So um, I'm... And and also I'm losing my ideas because uh, insomnia makes you make makes holes in your brains. And uh, here I know you are indulgent, uh, indulgent, but on a radio show it's a it's a nightmare because I have blank moments because of insomnia. What I wanted to say is that the metaphor, 4 a.m. All I know is that the zone is this state where. A good sleeper puts his or her head on the pillow and he has these images and he falls asleep or she falls asleep or they fall asleep. I stay in the zone forever and I have these crazy images and they wake me up and I'm thinking, oh, I was sleeping but I'm not sleeping and I see the images again. The it's called the hypnagogic zone, the hypnagogic zone the dreamy zone but dreamy is it's it's a nice word it's a, it's a nightmarish zone in fact it's it's absolutely exhausting but it's also th- it's only since i am an insomniac that i could understand kafka's diary kafka really is the other name of god for me is the only writer i don't understand how he d- wrote this book i can understand marguerite duras she's she She's wonderful, but come on. I, I, I know her tricks. <laughs> Proust, okay. Repetition, okay. Cut, cut, cut a little bit. Come on, hurry up. You know, I, uh, He doesn't impress me that much. I know him, okay? It may sound megalomaniac, but they, they are... And th- then we studied them at school in France. So, okay, come on, uh, hurry up. Kafka, how did he write? I mean, well, the only thing that saves me for, from being completely crushed by him is that he couldn't finish a novel. Le Château, l'Amérique, all of them are inachevé, and that's wonderful. As if I- what he wrote was too heavy, e- even for himself, too big for himself. He could only finish short stories, and I understand what he wrote was too big. The diary, before, I was an ins- before being an insomniac, I didn't understand what he was talking about. For example, last night, no sleep, only dreams. He was in the zone all night. Or, for example, last night I had a visit. A blind child came to see me. Or, last night I had the visit of this very old woman in a black coat. He's not psychotic. He's not having hallucinations. It's not fiction. He is in the zone. And those of you who who don't sleep well, they know that. You see images. We're not crazy. We We are haunted 
by images. And the problem is that, of course, in insomnia we are we get weaker and we are haunted by what hurt us most. Or I worked with traumatized people in Rwanda, for example. And of course, being an insomniac when you are a survivor of a genocide, it's it's a nightmare. The weird thing, the mystery is that you can be a survivor of a genocide and sleep very well. And it, so it, it was about half of the students I had in this workshop in, in Rwanda. And I also worked with migrants, I don't like the word, but exiled people, who, uh, who, who lived in terrible conditions in Calais. Some of them slept and some of them didn't. And themselves, they really didn't know how and why. It's, it's really... That's why the doctors for the moment can't cure the, the insomnia because it's very diverse it has many faces yeah it's very logical and it's very poetical <laughs> i mean uh, until right now we've been talk mostly talking about insomnia as an individual experience but a, a large part of the, the book especially as in, in the second half is about collective mm -hmm. experience and mm -hmm. societal experience and it's about the politics mm -hmm. uh, uh, of sleep and and sleeplessness um and you've touched on that um, in des describing, for example, uh, your, your workshop in, in Rwanda. I wonder whether th there's a kind of narrative now that one sees journalistically. Mm -hmm. um, I looked earlier today at both the, the New York Times and the, uh, and the Guardian websites, and there are literally dozens over the last couple of years of articles about sleep and it's sleeplessness. Yes. And this phrase that we now use, at least in English, sleep hygiene. Um, yeah, I, I know everything about it. Yeah. <laughs> and so much of this it acknowledges... It doesn't work. Yeah. And it makes <laughs> you guilty. Yeah. Because you, you can't yeah. sleep. It's, be it's your fault. It's because you didn't respect the sleep hygiene. Oh, gosh. There is, it seems like it sometimes... It's worse than before. <laughs> that, that, that there is no greater contemporary example of something that, say, Foucault told us, you know, 50 years ago... <laughs> That the system is inside you, <laughs> right, and uh, and it's observing you from within, yeah. um, and so much of the this kind of discourse touches on the fact that yes, of course, there are cultural and si technological uh, factors in play yes. here, but in the end, it comes down to individual responsibility. Exactement, c'est horrible. Mm. Um, and I just wonder if you want to say something about that, as 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 opposed to the mm. kinds of collective experiences mm. um, which have to do with um, with atrocity, they have to do with class, yeah. they have to do with Well, uh, and sleep deprivation is a torture. Uh, it's um, in Guantanamo, in Basque country, in uh, Saudi Arabia. I, I studied an amnesty report about uh, torture and it's a, a certain level of torture and it's very common, sleep deprivation, and it's absolutely horrible. It makes people extraordinarily submissive. It's 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 in fact it's a very efficient torture. It's horrible. Anyway, huh. so um, <laughs> sleep hygiene. <laughs> so my psychiatrist told me all the things you know. Stop uh, watching screens at eight p.m. Don't drink wine. Don't smoke. Of course, don't take anything exciting or um, I don't know what else. Walk like ten thousand feet uh, pa uh, every day, as if you had the time. Um, what else? Uh, go to bed every night at midnight. Get up every morning, even on Sunday at seven. Wh come on, no! <laughs> and if you don't do that, you don't sleep. Okay, uh, classified. Classé, classé au sens. 
next patient. No, it's a horrible system. It makes you guilty. But it started, yes, with the birth of the first states, uh, the cities, nations. Uh, Robert Erkish, the great historian of the night, um, uh, the birth of the states started with illuminating the crossroads, the streets. Only the bakers had a right not to sleep at night, and the watchmen. And uh, anybody who was not sleeping at night was suspicious, and it still is the case in a way. And the women on the street at night are, of course, prostitutes, and men are dangerous. So, uh, so s the state had the monopoly of insomnia. Only the state could stay awake. It's a very interesting idea. Whereas capitalism forced us to sleep less and less. And when Trump was elected, and there was a Trump-induced insomnia, very interesting, and Brexit-induced insomnia, of course, Trump, Trump tweeted at 3 a.m. and said, sleep is for losers. Can you imagine? Sleep is for losers. So you are... It's a, a double-bind permanent. You have to sleep, but to stay awake. Y y and during COVID, we were all connected on Zoom sessions with people living in Buenos Aires, New York, Mumbai, and we, you had to be awake to be connected. And it, 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 we all went crazy. And Instagram, and we have to react immediately. You all know that. Là, je ne dis que des truismes, que des... It's written everywhere. Uh, I'm more interested in um, how can we resist avoiding uh, the chemistry, the 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 chemistry of capitalism, the sleeping pills, the, it's very dangerous, really. Uh, I had a stash of uh, sleeping pills, 10 boxes at some point. They are hard to find. You need a hospital prescription or you need to buy them on the dark market or whatever. But it's very dangerous because uh, you, they have this, uh, you take one, you go to sleep, you wake up, and you forgot that you took one. So you take a second one. And most of the people who overdosed, like Prince or Whitney Houston or Michael Jackson, they didn't all, all Virginia Woolf. She, Virginia Woolf, in her 30s, uh, had to write to assert that she didn't want to commit suicide. She just wanted to sleep. And she overdosed on uh, Veronal. It's it's not a suicidal attempt. It's a sleep attempt, and this guy Heather Ledger, who played the Joker, he the last sentence he said on the phone to a friend, he said, "Damned, I can't sleep," and he overdosed on nine different uh, products. So it's very dangerous. It's a health. It's a public. It's a problem de santé publique, but it's not really taken care of. We are guilty of not sleeping. Very guilty. There is a depth of sleep. That's it, Diane Leader, who disait ça. One point about poetry. I, I don't have a solution uh, or on my insomnia or on collective insomnia. All I know is that only uh, poetry could, could take in charge what I had to say about it. Say and write is very different. And so I started the book. Uh, the book is made of fragments, and uh, images, uh, because I, I, I hate transitions. If there are writers here, never write a transition. Cut it. You can write it, okay, but cut it. You don't need a transition. If you need a character to be seated on a couch, for example, or 
Don't have him get into the sitting room, close the door, walk to the couch and sit. Except if you're a, a nouveau roman writer, Rob Grier. No, okay. You, or you need uh, him or her to have a dog. Okay, the dog is there. Chuck, you know, like a magician. Don't have him buy a dog. Or you know what I mean. He has a dog or she has a dog. Come on, no transition. For this book, because it's an essay, I cut all the transition and put images. Images are poetry. Encore deux minutes de ce rambling. There's still one thing that the artificial intelligences do not and cannot for the moment understand. It's the metaphor. And metaphor is poetry. For example, a very simple verse that all the French kids know more or less or learn at school from Paul Éluard, not the best poet, but whatever, Paul Éluard. La terre est bleue comme une orange. Earth is blue like an orange. We all understand what it means. We see it. Earth is blue like an orange. An artificial intelligence will say, what? <laughs> Oranges are orange. They are not blue. Does not compute. So you have to explain them, to click, you know, and to make a code and explain them the metaphor. Imagine all the metaphors we have to explain them. It's endless in a way. And I think poetry, very often cliches are true. Poetry is freedom. Poetry will save us. It's, I think it's true. The more poetically we will write, I'm not uh, saying hermetically, okay? There is a there is something clear about poetry. Uh, the more poetically we, we, we write, the more free we will stay out of the big brother's eyes and, uh, and, um, and, and the robots, in a way. I'm, I'm, I'm not a very paranoid person, but I think when the KGB summoned Pasternak or Mandelstam in their offices with their books and the, the police from the USSR said, now you are going to explain what you mean. The, 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 les dictatures, the, the Octorian system, les, les systèmes autoritaires, comment on dit les, les les The fascists! <laughs> les, they, they, they know uh, that poetry is dangerous because it has many meanings and you can choose your meaning according to who you are and, and robots can't. Robots can't. So all this rambling because insomnia is a space, in a way, yes, that belongs to the insomniac. And that may be why the insomniac doesn't sleep in the end. Because there's something there that perhaps is too precious, but it comes with a very big cost. Mm. Um, y you've answered what my last question um, in advance, wh wh which was to do with the relationship between the images and the, uh, and the text in this book. And it, it's interestingly different in, in the original French edition in terms of the rhythm uh, right. and size of images and, yes. and, uh, and so on. Um, but you've simply answered it a, a question about how that, that's working by saying poetry. So I think we should have questions from yeah, sure. other people. Anybody got questions for me? Right at the back. Hello. You mentioned that your insomnia started around the birth of your first child. Has that affected your relationship with your children? And what about your relationship with the wider family? Thanks for the question. I can read you a, a, a small passage if you want. Um, so I married a feminist. I'm a very happy woman. <laughs> 
But this feminist, who is an astrophysicist, he works on meteorites, he had a job uh, far, uh, it, was, it, it took him uh, more than about one hour and a half to come back home, um, commuting with the RER um, in the suburbs in Paris. And so he would come back around eight at night and uh, we had three kids. Bath time is a blessed moment, bathing three adorable children, except when I'm exhausted, hitting a wall at the end of the day. You'd like to lie on the couch with the newspaper. You'd like to hang out at the cinema. You'd like to perk yourself up at a bar. You couldn't even stretch to a yoga class. No, you couldn't. You have to grit your teeth and undress one or all of the recalcitrant children who are also tired. A tired child is a tiresome child. Take off nappies, wipe bumps, run the rotter at the right temperature, follow the safety and hygiene recommendations, supervise the children, entertain them, console them, motivate them, prepare the meal at the same time or reheat who knows what, the fridge is empty, your spirits are low, but there are so many people more miserable than you in the world, so you pour yourself a big glass of red wine. That's what it was like during my children's childhoods. I was half drunk as I proceeded with the routine and with the overflow of love of the tunnel from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. So <laughs> if something affected my relation with them, it's, it's alcohol. Because... Insomniacs are uh, induced to um, uh, self-harming uh, addictions, self-harming um, attitudes, and they can also harm other people. I, I, and it's really a public health issue because when you are extremely tired, you can become extremely impassioned and yell at your kids, and in fact become a bad mother. Truly, so the glass of red wine calm me down and may be able to get the energy, the extra energy to go through the process and the love process of, of, of having these kids. But um, yes, my kids, <laughs> actually they're okay and we go <laughs> well, we go along together very well. But they are terrified of waking me up. Terrified. And, and I regret, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for that. But when the whole apartment knows that maman is asleep. They really walk on tiptoes. It's terror system. And I, I, I'm sorry for that, but <laughs> you are the mother that you are. Tu es la mère que tu es. Tu peux pas changer ça. Are there other questions? I bet there are, but I'm going to give you a moment to, to think about them. I wanted to ask about hotels, ah, yeah. um, because the, the, there's a great kind of double-page spread of mm -hmm. your photographs of um, hotel rooms that you've stayed in, and you say that you're not alone as a, as a writer in taking photographs oh. of uh, hotels. Yeah. It's what every writer on tour does, <laughs> photograph the hotel room. Yeah. Um, but there's something very interesting about that space, and, and there is a kind of section of the book that's about space, um, the bedroom, most obviously. But the hotel is a place where something particular happens. It's a, you realize that you have taken yourself with you. Yes. Yeah, like a luggage. Sometimes uh, for I, I was lucky enough uh, to travel a lot. My, uh, I took so many planes. I'm a vegetarian to try to compensate the, the bilan carbon, but mm, I took so many planes and I visited so many countries. And I remember once landing in Tokyo, and thinking to myself, you're, you're never going to be able to sleep in it. And I, I, 
I, I, I lied on the bed and I slept but like for 13 hours. An incredible good sleep. And when I woke up, I thought my insomnia has taken the next plane. She was not on the plane with me. She's a woman for me, insomnia. L'insomnie, c'est féminin. And she, she's coming, but she... I was in advance. Uh, this silly impressions, it's very illogical, but I, I really, I left her in France, you know, I was quick enough. So you have this, it's a dialogue, it's a, it's a negotiation with your insomnia all the time. And hotel bedrooms can be enemies or friends or, it's a, yeah, it's, um, and also to, to I have, j'ai un esprit d'escalier, a staircase spirit. I jump from one idea all the time to another. That's why I write, because I can read myself again and cut and edit. But um, to come back to the metaphor and the poetry, when I started the book, I had this phrase, that sentence in my mind in French. L'insomnie augmente à mesure qu'on déboise. L'insomnie augmente à mesure qu'on déboise. It's a ten syllable, c'est un décasyllabe. And I d it means um, insomnia increases um, as much as you cut the trees, or insomnia grows as we cut the forest. L'insomnie augmente à mesure qu'on déboise. And I didn't know what it meant. And I had to write the book, in fact, to, to understand the, the relationship with the forests and with the trees. And in fact, it's true. It, uh, there have been so many forest fires, and uh, we, we suffocate, we get asphyxiated because we cut the trees. Yesterday or the day before, somebody cut a tree here in England? Who who does this? I mean, uh, you know, an old tree from, like, from Robin Hood or... Who does this? It's horrible. But the, the we have a relationship with trees that's very deep because as children, um, those born in the... Uh, temperate world uh, where the leaves fall, you know, in autumn, the children have this very deep relationship with the sleep of the trees. Very soon, when I grew up in Basque Country, we knew that when the leaves fell down, the tree didn't die, he went to sleep. And then the sap rised again in spring and the leaves would grow. And in the other countries that I could visit in the primary forest, where the trees lose their leaves all the time. In a way, they are insomniacs, these trees, and very old insomniacs, and I could see wonderful trees in my life. And we are destroying these very forests, and, and their insomnia, you know, is spreading in the air. There's something very dreadful about the forest fires that affects us in a very archaic level, very irrational. What I'm saying is irrational, okay? But there's something that you understand, I'm sure, about this. The less th trees there are, the more insomniacs we get. I'm sure about that. It's not logical. It's, it's not even physical. It's, uh, we are part of this planet, our bodies are part of this planet, so it affects everything in us, including our sleep. That's as simple as that, you know. A few years ago when I was in Paris, I was in the um, Luxembourg Gardens. I was, I was just sitting in the sunshine in, a, in the early autumn, and a, a little boy walked past. He must have been four, and um, he picked up a leaf, a dead, dry leaf, and, and he tucked it into the pocket in the front of his coat, and he said to himself, Tresor treasure. Uh, <laughs> and I wondered 
final question. No, actually, I, I wonder <laughs> if I have a question about childhood, um, but I wonder if anybody else um, has a question. Yes. How does this project sit within the work of Fitzcarraldo and your oh, French yeah. publisher? Yeah. Okay. Um, Fitzcarraldo. Nobel Prize winning book. Today, Jon Foss uh, won the Nobel Prize. He is published at Fisc Fitzcarraldo. And last year, Annie Arnaud won the Nobel Prize, also published at. Annie so the rest of us are yeah. feeling very. A we lot are of pressure. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, my French publisher. Pewell is very mm, similar in a way to Fitzcarraldo. Fitzcarraldo is 10 years old. Pewell is 40 years old. Pewell in France is uh, a sort of heir of Les Editions de Minuit. Uh, and all of these books ha do not have images on their cover. And Jacques Testa was wise enough, smart enough to know that it's good not to have an image on, on the cover because your imagination can feel it, can... Um, it's my first book at Fitzcarraldo, so I don't know them very well for the moment, actually, uh, but I like them. And uh, I was uh, published by Faber and Faber, which is who was a that was a very good company in in the um, the end of the nineties, beginning of the two thousand. But I just didn't sell enough, and they are a normal publishing company. <laughs> and Fitzcarraldo <laughs> is not exactly a normal publishing company. But I think what Fitzcarraldo or P.O.L. or Les Editions de Minuit or Semiotext in America or the others try to do is they don't try to sell books. They try to sell the books they like. And it's very different. And they work with independent bookshops. We do that a lot in France. And it's very important. And the relationship itself, the relation to the text, uh, we, we talk. We, um, uh, in fact, they took the, it's quasi the same file, because it's uh, now it's files, uh, than the French one translated. It's, uh, uh, it's basically the same Im images. Um, it's, it's almost the same book in English, actually. Is it? Uh, do I answer your question? Brian Dillon also has images in his books. It's been very unusual for uh, for Fitzcarraldo yeah. books to have uh, images. Yeah. Um, it's not that hard to publish, you know. It's uh, uh, it's very expensive to publish uh, color images, but black and whites are okay. And uh, we are not the first ones. Uh, André Breton in Nadja had images uh, in the 30s, 20s. And uh, Zebald uh, has images in his books. They are so I needed them because the book is a sort of Derive in a, a, in errance. How do you say that? Wandering, a drift. I, uh, I think that almost everybody in the room knows what a derive okay, is at okay. this point. <laughs> yeah, th thanks to Deborah, et, uh, yes, et cetera. Debor. Right? Um, uh, much of the, the 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 rhythm of image and text on the, on the page of Fitzcarraldo book, the few of us who who've had them, is down to the designer Ray O'Meara. Um, who is, you know, a genius who should be uh, acknowledged at every opportunity. A Prize. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wonder if we might have time for one more yeah. question, um, right at the back yes. again. Do you have a romantic ideal of sleep? Sleep doesn't answer my texts. Yeah, sleep has me wait for years. <laughs> sleep doesn't want to marry me. Yeah, sleep does. Yeah, you're right. It's a sort of yeah, a romance a novel with sleep. I would say more abo about my bed. I changed beds so many times. I tried to find the perfect bed, big, small, 
narrow, hard, soft, you know. And of course, I do not share the same bed as, bed as my husband, which is like the last taboo. Uh, because you can say, I drink, I don't care about my kids. Okay, but you don't <laughs> sleep in the same bed as your husband? What? <laughs> in France, at least. Here, I, it's very cultural. But no, we cannot share a bed. It's impossible. He's an insomniac, but not at the same hours as I am. So... Uh, it was that or divorce. You get so so it's yeah the, the the bed itself it's a huge issue yeah Ooh. yeah but it's a good it's c'est une bonne idée ça oui une romance contrariée avec le sommeil. I think we should probably stop at this point. Thank you so much. Merci um, beaucoup and, de votre attention. Um, I am pretty sure that you're about to sign some books. Um, so please and then around. go to bed <laughs> and, then, and then go straight to bed. Um, so. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I wish to thank Marie and Brian for their time to discuss the ideas and intentions of Marie's writing. Visit our website, libraria.io, for news of future events and book recommendations.